welcome to season two of Pasco Podcast, a series where we discuss leadership and public service. We'd like to thank our sponsors, the 550,000 plus residents of Pasco County, as represented by the Board of County Commissioners. It's through their trust and empowerment of our workforce and leadership team that we're able to bring you this podcast. We created this podcast to help public servants build leadership skills and leverage them for success by sharing the experiences of our peers. Hi, I'm Dan Biles. Welcome to our ninth episode of Pasco Podcast. Join us today from our Information Technology Department is Chief Information Officer Todd Bailey and Technical Support Manager Todd Kersey. Welcome and thanks for joining the podcast today. Our pleasure to be here. Thank thanks, you. Thanks, Dan. All right. So as we get started, can you first kind of, one, tell us a little bit about yourself, how you got here, and then also a little bit about your leadership philosophy and how you lead people. Okay. Well, I'm Todd Bailey. I've been here for 11 years now. Um, 21 years in the state and local government space. So uh, I started in Coral Springs, um, had a really good journey there, and I'll, I'll probably add to this story later on in this uh, podcast, uh, but I'm happy to be here in Pasco. I'm happy to contribute. Um, I'm looking forward to sharing content. As far as my leadership philosophy is concerned, um, I'm a big believer in management by walking around. I think uh, you need to have a conviction to lead. Um, and I think you have to have passion, and and I I still so strongly embody those last two because I'm, I feel very convicted and I feel very passionate about what we're doing, technology wise within the organization, what we're doing within the department, and how we're contributing as leaders in the organization. Um, so I'll stop there and I'll pass the baton to Todd. Uh, Todd Kersey, technology uh, manager, and uh, I've been with the county for 15 years. Well, 15 years in June. Um, I've seen a lot of growth. I came from a retail background, so I spent about 20 years in retail before I came to technology. And my grandmother had always said growing up, she's like, you ought to go into computers. I'm like, eh, all right, grandma, whatever, because I fiddled with them at home. Apple IIe back in high school and throughout the years and um, finally decided, well, I'm going to go back to school at age 30, got my associate's degree and ended up here on the help desk and just worked my way up. Um, my philosophy has been over the years in retail and then here is just, it's all about respect and integrity. So um, you're, you're in positions where it commands respect, but I'd rather have the respect that's earned than the respect that is supposed to be given you because of your authoritative figure. Um, and then it's about your integrity. I mean, I need to be trusted. I need to be a person that they can come to. I mean, I'm often been called the Todd father because, you know, they can come to me for information and they know that if I don't know the answer, I'll either get it for them or direct them in the right direction. So, all right. So, uh, you know, I think between the two, I think I've heard three of our four core values. You know, you talk about in innovation, uh, which is one of the core values and then integrity and respect uh, to, to others. Um, as, as you developed in your career, what, at what point, did you realize that you, you know, either one, one, one to lead others and then also on, because you don't lead others unless you kind of enjoy being part of the leadership team. So how did you learn or when did you realize that's what you wanted to, wanted to do? It's an interesting story. I, I think uh, I go back to my elementary school days as, as safety patrol. And I tell this story because um, uh, it was my first uh interaction with leadership as this, you know, the captain of the guard, so to speak, a safety patrol and you raise and lower the flag. But, you know, you realize at a young age um, that you put yourself in a position um, in a place to either lead or be able to make a change. And I think that's what's exciting about it. Um, and I, I want to quote 
Abraham Lincoln, because I'm a big Abe Lincoln fan and a, a study. And if you ever wanted to uh, read a bunch of healthy quotes, read Abe Lincoln's quotes, because on one of them, he stated that if you want to predict your future, create it. And, you know, we as leaders have that ability. Um, and I'm a big proponent of innovation, you know, one of our core values. And we didn't talk about service excellence, but um, in order to keep moving our needle forward and keeping our customer service on the front edge, uh, we need to be innovative and we need to be able to be empowered and have that element of risk to be able to make those changes. You know, some we're going to fail on, some we're going to succeed on. Uh, we're not going to know until we try, but, you know, to have that passion and to have the um, the excitement within the team uh, to to get behind you or to come alongside you to share that vision is really exciting, and and that's one thing that we do have here, um, and it really it really keeps us engaged, uh, it keeps us moving forward, it, it keeps us coming to work every day. Is what are we going to do today? What what are we going to do today that was different than what we did yesterday? And uh, how does it impact the customer? And, you know, we have these conversations all the time, probably every day in our meetings. Um, and, you know, sometimes, we, a lot of times we fail. You know, we're not perfect, but it's not for the sake of not trying. So. So I think I learned early on, um, I was in Cub Scouts, Boy Scouts. Boy Scouts, I went through the different leadership programs and was a leader. Um, I did uh, summer camp. I was a counselor for five years. Um, and that's where I really learned my leadership skills was in Boy Scouts. And so it's it's nice today to be able to work with my son um, who's in Boy Scouts. So I'm in, heavily involved in Boy Scouts. Once again, I am an Eagle Scout and only 8% of Scouts become Eagle Scouts. So it's a it's an honored tradition. So I think that's where I learned my leadership skills early on and learned from leaders in Boy Scouts. I've learned from managers over the years in different positions I've held. But I mean, when I worked for McDonald's, I was a manager at age 19, which is unheard of. So they saw something in me that said, hey, he's a good leader and he's someone that we want to promote. And I've had that everywhere I went that, you know, like I said, I earn people's trust because I give them respect. If you want respect, you have to give it in return. So that's how I earned it. And I earned their respect. And like Todd says, um, I come to work every day invigorated because we're in IT. Technology changes on a daily basis. So you have to keep up with it. And it's nice to be able to come to work and say, what can I do different today? I mean, look at what we did last year with the pandemic. I mean, overnight we had to come up with, you know, how are we going to do the board meetings? And that progressed over time. And I mean, it's running pretty good today. And we've offered new opportunities to citizens that they didn't have before. Um, and so it was great to earn that trust of people that they allowed me to expand what I knew and share it with everyone else. Right. And you mentioned the transition from the 100% in person to the virtual environment and now the hybrid environment at board meetings, uh, you know, we did that so well, we got recognized by a, you know, a state group that is very interested in public, you know, disclosure and transparency, um, with the process we put in place to allow public comment and allow still there to be the interaction. So y'all did a, a great job overnight in, in making that happen. Um, so as, as you've developed your, your leadership, style and skills and philosophy over time who's kind of been the biggest influence uh, on that wow so i'm a huge historian a huge I'm, i i would like to read and i'm a big proponent of american history and um i'll probably sound really corny when i say this but you know studying george washington as a charismatic leader 
caring for his people, being able to invigorate and excite them to war or to accomplish the mission, if you will. <clears throat> Moving on, and, and he's a military president. You know, most of our military leaders have gone on to either presidency or become prominent figures or leaders in our country. And then you take Abraham Lincoln, you know, who was not a military leader, um, who had strong convictions of, of a transformational leader. And, you know, what he took the country through, you know, the Civil War and abolition, you know, through abolition. And, um, you know, it took a special leader to be able to tell the story and to stand convicted on what was the right thing to do. And ultimately, you know, it cost him his life. Um, you know, that those type of um, uh, personnel in our history excite you because, you know, I, I, I do, I know I listened to the other podcasts and I was very excited to hear about people in your immediate life that have influence on your life. Um, and, you know, our fathers and our relatives, you know, and our past coworkers bring that. Um, but I also like to study letters of people in the past because, you know, they, they, they're not prone to fail you because we're all human and we all make mistakes, right? Um, but I, I love to read the story on how people, on how leaders invigorate people, tell the story to excite you to peace, to excite you to war, to excite you to accomplish the mission. You know, and reflecting back in, in, in transformation, you know, Abraham Lincoln said that, you know, America will never fail from anybody from the outside. If we're gonna fail, it's from the inside outward. Um, and, and we have the, the ability to make that change and to stand behind that conviction. And we have the ability um, to to become leaders and you know as I said earlier you know if we want to predict our future change it you know be part of it um, you know and I'll take that now to the technology side so I, I had a really good mentor um, in my past employment down at Coral Springs when we went through the Sterling and the Malcolm Baldrige Award um, and we were highly successful we were a very close knit team. Um, but we all shared, and we all we all shared the same vision. We all shared the same mission of the city. The, the our core competencies were there, um, but we believed in it to the point that we all came along, excited each other, and made it happen. Right, it, and we shared that vision, and that culture ultimately changed from that because not only was it led from the top, it was led from the side, it was led from the bottom up. Um, so communications were good. Um, and I, I love the fact that this county has started down that pro into that process, down that trail, if you will. And and we're you know obviously an incredible work of progress because we're a large organization. We're not a thousand employees or less. We're three thousand plus employees at this point. And um, to share that vision, to share that excitement, to communicate that is is a huge task, especially you know from you, Dan, you know from senior leadership. And um, you know we're really encouraged that you share the vision and that you want to start the journey. Um, are we there yet? No, um, it's going to take us a while to get there. But again, I, I I love the passion and I love the excitement behind it because we're actually doing something together that's positive, it's progressive, and it's going to take this organization to new heights. Uh, once we get to the top of that, you know, what do we do from there? That's an interesting conversation because can we sustain it? Um, and, you know, that would probably be a sign of our leadership at that point. And, and if we're training people that can replace us that have the same excitement, vision, and passion to carry it forward. Um, so no, thank you for that question. Um, I won't be as wordy as he was, but um, <laughs> so I, I don't think I have anyone specific. Like I said, coming up through Boy Scouts, I had different uh, leader influences, different other youth um, that influenced me um, coming up through like when I worked for McDonald's for 10 years, they started with the empowerment. You need to empower your employees. Um, 
So that was a learning experience um, working for Walmart for 19 years. Um, they've gone through a lot of changes that um, some I agreed with, some I didn't agree with, but you learn from everywhere you've been and pick different pieces and then form that as your toolkit to move forward to how you form your leadership styles. So as you look kind of on where we are uh, as a county, you know, where your department or where your work group is, um, and you look at some of the things we've done over the past and in some of the challenges we have coming in, in front of us, um, one of the interesting things about technology in government is one changes overnight, as, as Todd, you mentioned earlier, uh, one you know, traditionally doesn't change very fast at all, right? So how do you, from a leadership perspective, make those two competing um, uh, states, if you will, works to be successful in the business and services you deliver here in Pasco? Because y'all do, right? I mean, we, we really do, uh, from the virtual meetings to some of the other things, you know, um, how do you make it, how do you use your leadership to integrate those two kind of competing, if you will, um, styles uh, to make the business work? I'll, I'll start with that. That's, that's, um, it's a good question. And I think there's balance there. There's, there's a sense of um, what we, you know, our core competencies versus risk. And, and I'm going to look at it in a, in a bimodal fashion, if you will. Um, you know, if you look at a, at a, at a, pyramid or a triangle and you know the base level of that that triangle is our core competencies what we do well every day um, you know we come to work we do incidences we do tickets we do fix it's uh, you know uh, service requests moves ads and changes um, we do that very well but as you know as the majority of our department was focused on those elements from traditional uh, information technology departments in the past as is a service industry we're now looking to look for those areas of innovation, and then look for those areas of transformation. So um, innovative changes that add to customer excellence in our, our core values. And then that other element of our core value called innovation is is a much more, uh, it's, it's more difficult to achieve transformation and, and those innovation steps because now you're changing the way people work and you're changing the way they come to work. You're changing the way the, the business workflow um, goes uh, from from inception to, um, to service to the customer to closing that incident. So it's it's an interesting it's an interesting dialogue that um, to find that balance. We have a, a a section of our department that's solely dedicated, you know, to those core competencies. We we struggle with the projects. We struggle with um, the resources. To say that is our number one priority is to is to get the customer up and running before we start dedicating the extra hours of the day that we may free up for projects and or for innovation. Um, so we're trying to now determine you know where that element of risk is. What's our risk appetite for the organization to be able to um, to create transformational changes through technology, um, but yet take the organization through that slowly and not rapidly. Now. You know, you talk about the pandemic. I think we were fairly prepared because we prepare for hurricanes. We prepare for disasters to begin with. So we look at our department, we look at our organization, and how do we, um, you know, how do we make sure we have the agility to function through any type of disaster? Well, the pandemic came along. 
we typically were prepared for a week, right? Maybe two weeks of a disaster, not for 12 plus months. So it really is a game changer for us. Um, we had technologies in place that moved us forward. Um, Todd was a, a huge proponent of that, obviously, and his excitement, I kind of led the charge. And I, you know, we, we can't build on that enough is, is that the passion that we had to move forward with that. Um, and I commend him and the rest of the team. They, they did an excellent job through that. So again, to answer that question, it's, it's balance. And what are we, what's our risk appetite and how much do we want to risk? So I think it has helped me being here for almost 15 years. Um, I've gotten to know a lot of people, especially when I started out on the help desk, I had to go to departments, deploy PCs and stuff like that. You get to know their lines of business. You get to know how they operate and you get to know the people, even the commissioners. And you, when I go back to working with my staff and I have an awesome, awesome staff because, uh, they do a lot of innovation on their own. I, I allow them the freedom to say, you know, not only do we have to get this work done over here, but I want you guys to be looking for other things over here. I don't want you spending all your time getting done what we have to get done because we need innovation. This is it. That's what we do. Um, so, it's been kind of nice because back in October, I think they started that zombie challenge. So we all walked as a team every day, three times a day. And believe it or not, during those walks, we called them BS sessions, <laughs> but that stood for briefing session. And, <laughs> and that's where a lot of our innovations come about because we would talk about maybe something that was going on. And because we talked about it amongst each other, you would have never thought that this person over here would have known or had an idea about what you're talking about, but I would talk about a problem we had in maybe a board meeting and and they're like, well, have you tried this? And I'm like, geez, I never thought of that. I never would have thought to come to you for that, but you thought of that off the cuff. So we've, we've actually continued that to this day. We still try and walk three times a day and we, we just talk either about life or about things in general or about things that are going on in the county. And we've had a lot of innovations that way. And I encourage that because I encourage getting to know the lines of business, getting to know your customer, because that's the best way you're going to serve them. We don't just want to sit there and drop a PC off on their desk and set up their monitors and leave. You've got to understand their lines of business because you've got to understand what they need in order to do what they do every day. So I can't just drop a PC off. I've got to understand that they need this program installed and that program installed and why they need it to work and all the little nuances that go on in different departments and having that understanding makes us a better department, makes my team a better team. Um, and, and I encourage that. Excellent. Oh, thanks. I really appreciate that. And, you know, I, you know, just over the last four years, we've, y'all have done a lot of different things to really either better protect our data on the security side or, or make life easier for, for people to do work. Um, you know, we went from, you know, basically a hundred percent work work in the office, do whatever to, you know, we still are, you know, 15 plus percent of our employee workforce works most of the time, you know, remotely. Um, so, and that doesn't happen without innovation and teamwork and all those different types of things. So how do you continue to build your leadership skills, both, you know, professionally and personally, how do you continue to work on those leadership skills over time? Well, um, I've gone through Boy Scout leader training called Wood Badge. I just did that in October. So that's on my personal side. And then um, I was in a current LDP class. So I'm continuing to build my 
leadership skills that way. And just on a daily basis, listening to people. I mean, that is where I think I had an advantage over the last year running all these meetings is spending all this time in these meetings. I've learned a lot about different leaders, their leadership styles, about different departments, how they run and meetings I would have never gone to before. And now I understand all of it. And by getting that understanding, it better helps me give provide great customer service. And I would bring that back to my team and tell them, this is what went on the meeting today. And this is the stuff they talked about. And you'd be surprised that, you know, this, that, and the other thing. And they're like, wow, but it, it really helps them as well as it helps me. So, I mean, continuing to take those little things every day that you learn from different people and just adding them to your toolbox. Right. <clears throat> right. Yeah. I, I would like to add, um, remain humble. Um, no matter how long you're in leadership, you're always learning and we're never going to stop. And things change. Our, you know, our environments change. Our generations change, as we heard yesterday, um, how to deal with um, Gen Zers and millennials and, you know, as, as right. that skill grows. Um, you know, I was looking at my bookshelf last night and I, and I saw these questions and I, I think I think I had over 32 leadership books in my personal home bookshelf, not counting the one here at work. Uh, I love to read. And I, I think reading other styles, reading other methodologies as they continue to change, um, you know, through our current times, um, read what they did in the past, read what we're doing in the future. I, but um, I also am a strong believer in education, going back to school, and I'm a strong believer in peer-to-peer -peer groups. Uh, I encourage, I know my staff heavily to get involved with uh, government organizations, peer groups like Flagisa um, or NACO. Um, or specific technically technical subject matter expertise type groups, um, you know, that may have to do with a specific line of business. But I think that human interaction, getting out with not only your peers or people or your peers in the same line of work and also on the private side is extremely valuable. Because um, I would never just want to compare myself to Hillsborough County or Pinellas County. I want to compare myself to Amazon, to Google, as we studied. Um, how do we operate? How do they operate? Is there is there synergies there? Are there things that we can take away? Now, obviously, we can't become a Google and you know create a flat organization and, and just be distributed all over, over the world because you know we have a job to do for our citizens in Pasco County. But I think we can learn a lot from that. And how else do you learn other than be engaged? Right, uh, be engaged with your peers, with with the state, and on the national side as well. So I'm a big cheerleader for that. Right. Yeah, I remember we had a discussion on a couple of years ago about Cisco mm -hmm. in the in the work they were doing uh, from an engagement yeah. perspective with their teams yeah. and their Line employees, mm -hmm. and learn and brought some of that a little bit into our organization. Um, so as you know, we're in a kind of a unique situation now as we are still in part of the pandemic, um, some elements winding down with the vaccine rollout and some other stuff. So is as you move forward and as we all progress in our careers, how do you identify and help raise and build other leaders or the next generation of leaders? Um, and I'm not necessarily millennials or Zs, but all all leaders, right? How do you do that in, in your teams? You just have to identify um, who, like I've asked my team when I pulled them in, uh, have one-on-ones, and what, what, what are you looking for? What do you want to do? Um, and some of my guys are, um, I, I have I have the spectrum of Gen Z's, baby boomers, all that kind of stuff on my team. And obviously the baby boomers are looking at retiring, so they don't, they're, they're done. They've done their leadership, they don't want anymore. 
Um, so I look to the younger guys and say, you know, what do you want? And they tell me, I, I, I would like to be a leader one day, or I, I don't, I don't really foresee myself going down that road. So if they say that, I say, why not? And then they tell me, and then I say, well, you know, we'll talk about it again in the future. See if you change your mind in six months. Um, but then I just, and every day impart my knowledge on them and try and teach them stuff that maybe, um, I've learned over the years or the way I do things. And then I ask them how they would do it and kind of have that one-on-one -on -one so that they see that, you know, okay, he's looking at me to be a leader and I need to, you know, maybe start looking at it from his point of view instead of from a tech point of view. Um, so start building on that and then helping to shape and develop them over the years, just so that way, when I move up, somebody can move in my space, or if I go elsewhere, somebody else can take my spot and pretty much add their own twist to what I've built over the years. Right, right. So I'm a baby boomer. <laughs> I'll, I'll be honest. Um, I think I'm just as excited, just as excited today that I was probably when I was 23 years old coming out of the Coast Guard. but. Um, I look, I, I look for people that have passion. I look for people that, that want to, I look for the statesmanship in people. It sounds hokey, but uh, it's not, you know, we're here to build a better tomorrow for our children and for the citizens of Pasco County and for the people in our area, no matter where you, you go, you should have this frame of mind because, um, we're not here to collect a paycheck. If we, you know, there's a lot of other places we could be, if that was the case, we want to make a change. Um, and I, I look for people that have and share that excitement and embrace that. Um, I, I, you know, if you start talking about retirement, you're retired, I think, at that point in, in, in my mind. But um, I, I do think we need to empower. I do think we need to give people an opportunity to lead. And I think we have to be prepared for them to fail as well. Um, but that count that towards their, you know, edu education, if you will. And, you know, that's, that's an old saying, but I think there's a lot of truth to that. Um, I do think we need have to have good succession planning. I don't think we're great at that right now. I, I can truly speak to my department. I don't think we do well in our succession planning. And that's something that we, we put on our goal sheet this year to work on. Um, but I do think we have to be able to, to step out, step back and put somebody in, give them the training that they need, but give them the opportunity to experience it. And I think they're gonna surprise you. Um, and I think sometimes we hold back um, and I don't know if it's um, personal pride or what have you, but I do think we should give everybody that opportunity. Not everybody is is a, a born leader. I don't think there are born leaders. I think you. I think leadership is is something you become passionate and convicted of. But I I do think that everybody could potentially lead, and I think we have to give them a chance. And you know, they may be in the chair and say, "Yes, I I, I love the responsibility and I love the passion and excitement." And they may say, "Hey, I'm more comfortable being you know focused on a technical aspect and and delivering." You know, through through the back office, so to speak, and 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 great. We need those folks too. So right. give them the opportunity. Right, right, great. So I'm gonna go a, a little off script here. I want to. So you mentioned you know management by walking about, and you mentioned you walk around with your teams. But as part of the pandemic, we went to a lot of remote work. So mm -hmm. so how did you blend that, and what is your kind of vision going forward with your teams with respect to? hybrid slash remote work? And how do you lead those teams that you don't necessarily see every day because they're in a remote type environment? Because that's a little different mentality from a leadership perspective, right? Yes. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll start that one. I, I'm i pretty bad at this. I'll be truthful. Um, we can support 
100% distributed work. I, I like to call work from home distributed because I don't care if you're at home or just in another building or if you're in another state. Um, there's an element of trust there that sometimes I struggle with personally, and I, I have to get over that. Um, but I don't want us to just produce widgets. And you know, my my philosophy behind that, and, and it's a personal philosophy, is we can put anybody anywhere in this country or even overseas, and they can do their job remotely through Zoom, through WebEx, um, and producing or writing code, if you will. Um, but I lose that sense of engagement. I lose like you and I and Todd are sitting in this room looking at each other, I lose that personal connection and I love the engagement because I'm very people oriented. And, you know, I love people. I'm not, a, if I ever had to just work at my home office and never see anybody, I I, I think I would have a hard mental problem with that. Um, but I like looking at somebody in the eye. I like the expression. I like the feedback. I like to, I like to chit chat with that too. I like to get to know somebody. And I, I lose that with uh, video conferencing. And, and maybe it's because we just get on at a set certain time and we talk about a business problem or we talk about the agenda and then we close the meeting and we're done. And there's no time to say, hey, how's your wife and family? You know, you, your arm was hurting. Are you, are you doing okay? Um, and that may happen through chat and outside of that, but I, I'm certainly not engaged with that. So I'm always concerned about the level of engagement and having the having our folks understand and talk to other people in the organization as to what they're experiencing, what their pain points are outside of a text, right. you know? And, and so I'm very relational and there's where I struggle, but, right. but it's certainly doable. Right, right. I think it's more of a, uh, a generational thing because right. okay. you'll find that a lot of millennials would rather text than mm -hmm. talk to you face to face, right. uh, would rather video chat and five minutes real quick. And right. then, so you've got to know, once again, got to know your audience. Um, and so it just, I was lucky that my team was all here working. Um, and at one point when you sent um, certain people home over a certain age, I had two people, individuals that work from home. So yes, we did chat for five minutes or so on a daily basis, but um, we also used WebEx teams to chat back and forth mm -hmm. and stuff like that. They were fine with it. They liked it that way. Um, and they just, I, I knew I could trust what they were doing at home and I could see the productivity um, things getting done. So I, I was comfortable with it and I didn't mind it. But like I said, I, I'm, I think it's generational, like, you know, your generation and I'm, I'm on both sides of the fence. Cause I'm not a baby boomer. I'm right after that. And so, uh, yeah, Gen X I'm, I'm 50. So, yeah. uh, I'm, I go either way. I don't right. mind. I like texting, but I also like a phone call. I'm like Todd, I like to chat and have the different conversations. That's where you learn about people. That's where you learn about different things. Like you said, you just hang up and we're done. But afterwards, that's where you hang out in the conference room and chat for a few minutes or, you know, walk down the hall as you're walking out to your car and chat with somebody. And that's where you learn different things. Even if you're talking about work, you just learn different things. So I, I think we kind of lost that during the pandemic. I mean, even see that with my son who's doing school at home, He's become more of a, a hermit. Right. Um, so he can't wait to go back to school because he wants to get back with his friends and he wants to be able to do stuff. So, yeah, it, it's a it's a odd balance. And what's interesting is, you know, you know, the paradigm of IT is that the the nerd, you know, very introverted. Oh, I just want to sit here and stare at my screen and do that work. And all we've spent this time talking about is people and relationships, you know, which is not what you would. When you, when you think IT, that's not necessarily the paradigm you think about with IT. Uh, so one other kind of uh, question, you know, we, we have a core value of respect, 
right? And, and we've talked before that the foundation of leadership is trust. And you mentioned trust um, and that you have to trust your people before they trust you. But in an IT security environment, how do you balance the need for data security, network security, and then trust? Because your biggest risk is, as we've talked about before, is actually the, the, the team, right? From a data and network security perspective. So how do you balance the need to secure the data, secure the network, but also trust and respect the team that needs access and to work the data? So I'll leave this one off. I'm gonna just go out there and say it, that we have a zero trust mentality. <laughs> <laughs> and while we might be the best friends right. on this planet, um, we have to take that posture anymore because everyone in our organization is now a security analyst, if you will. They are our front line of defense. Um, so we are prone to error and we're prone to click things quickly. We're getting prone to get distracted what we're doing during our day. And the way that the ways that we're being attacked aren't conventional anymore. They're areas that we haven't even considered ourselves today. And authenticating who comes into the network, that's why we went to two-form factor authentication. Uh, our next step is to go to a stronger password, which is not going to be user-friendly. It's going to be necessary, but it's going to cause some hardship on our teammates. And you know we regret that. But our job is to protect our intellectual property, which is our data in this organization. Um, and without that, uh, you know, I, I would hate to count the losses, you know, financially and as, as well as functional if we didn't have that in front of us every day to be able to do our jobs. So uh, we take it very serious. Um, we, we try to stay as leading edge as possible that with, within our financial confines, as well as what we're able to execute, manage, and train our, our teammates with. Uh, it's always forefront in whatever we do, but it's not a conversation that is a showstopper anymore. It's not that you cannot do this because of security. It's how can we do this together with security? And uh, I'm really proud of our security team. Um, they've done an outstanding job. They're 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 almost 24 by seven. They're they're amazing to me. But you know we're now all becoming security experts. And uh, I appreciate the comment because I know from your perspective you've been on the forefront of this with us, and we've taken it very seriously. And, you know, knock on wood, our county has not been affected to date, and you know we could get affected tomorrow. It's it's how do we react, recover, and learn from it quickly so that we can keep providing services to our citizens. Right, that's that's the key. So, from my perspective, because I deal with the users more on a day to day basis than Todd would, um, uh, taking from one of the other Todds in our department, he always says, "Break everything down Barney style." So that's where you get with the user and you tell them, "Hey, look, you know." Yes, we're implementing stronger passwords. Yes, you have the duo, you know, for two-form authentication. Yes, it's a pain in the neck. But do you want to be that one employee that takes down the whole system and now we can't issue building permits? And guess what? Because we can't do that because we're down for 30 days because, you know, there's ransomware. Guess what? We're not having income coming into building construction services. So guess what? you might be out of a job. So do you want to be that one person that causes other people, <laughs> when you break it down that like that, <laughs> then they kind of say, oh, the light goes on and they're like, all right, yes, it's a pain in the butt, but I realize that I have to do this to keep things safe. So when you break it down like that to them, and I try and do that with all technology, it sinks in a little better. Right. Well, and I like you know your comment of, they're all part of your security analyst team, right? Every employee is part of the security team because they're part of the, they're part of the ones trying to do that. And some of the things you've done over the last few years between the 
the random testing to the now we have the fish alert that we can actually just click on it and don't worry about it. And in, in your help desk looks into that and decides whether or not it's secure to the different things we have. Yeah, it's a little more difficult from time to time, but it's much easier than dealing with being, as you mentioned, down for 30 days and not having access to the data. So no, I think so. I, I kind of wanted to wrap that into that because trust is part of what we do. Absolutely. You know, so, um, so, so even with the two off script questions, I'm kind of done with that. So we'll go onto the lightning round, kind of let the, okay. the people watching kind of know a little bit more about you. Um, no right or wrong answer to these. Um, so we'll just go on. These are not questions that you've seen. You may have heard. Okay. And we'll skip the Star Wars versus Star Trek one. Oh, I know darn. the answer to that one. <laughs> <laughs> Do the real, force joke. Yeah, a little close. <laughs> yeah. So so uh, we mentioned texting and talking earlier. Which one do you prefer, texting or talking? Oh, well, listen, I'm a talker. <laughs> I, I'll be the first. And I, I'm all thumbs texting and I'm a tech guy. Uh, I much rather prefer a conversation on the phone or in person than text. And that's always that way for me. So. I'm both sides of the fence because it depends on the situation. If you ask me a question, you need yes or no, then that's fine. But if you need a lengthy explanation, I'm not going to sit there and type it all right. out. I'd rather just pick up the phone and talk about right. it and be done in five minutes than spend 20 minutes reading something that may, might be out of context. So right. I go both ways. Okay. So what's your favorite holiday? Um, May the 4th. May the 4th. Coming up now. <laughs> Christmas. Christmas is my favorite holiday. I'm, a, I'm an Italian, full-blood Italian, and, and I come from a big Italian family. And that was growing up, aunts, uncles, cousins, and, you know, there's 40 or 50 of us every year for Christmas. And it's great to sit there and listen to all their old stories and stuff like that. So that's one of my favorite times of year. Wow. So I'll, I'll disclose this. I've been an ordained church officer for 30 years. Um, so I'm going to take the two my two religious holidays out of the equation there because um, I'll keep that out of this conversation. But I love Thanksgiving. Why? Uh, I, I think it's a time to reflect, you know, and we should be doing this every day, not once a year, but on how much we are thankful, how, you know, thankful for our families, our friends, uh, our situation that we've been put in. Um, I love I love football, so it's a football kind of a season too. So I I just love the whole month, and, and there's no there's no sharing of gifts, there's no expectations or um, anything outside of it, other than being grateful right. and sharing our gratitude with each other. Right. right. No, great. Appreciate that. So, what's your favorite city in the U.S. besides you know you know Pasco, Tampa area? Um, I like Seattle um, during the summer, not the rainy months, um, just because it's there's a lot of stuff going on in Seattle. There's a lot you can do. I mean, I've been whale watching off of there. I've been to Pike's Market, my favorite. I could spend all mm -hmm. day there. Um, so it's just a vibrant city and there's a lot to offer. So like the three months out of the year, July, August, and September. Exactly. And that's usually when I've always yeah, gone. Yeah, yeah. We we lived up there for a decade. So, yeah. Wow. Um, I don't know if I have a favorite. I don't want to sound corny. Uh, I love where I'm at and I love any place that has an old town charm to it um i like the old restaurants on the sidewalk i you know again i'm i'm very if you can't tell i'm very extroverted i love talking to people and i don't care if they're strangers or not so if it has a hometown charm and it's got you know that hometown environment where people are just friendly that's my kind of place <laughs> all right cool thanks all right so the the normal local government question the office or parks and rec I have seen neither, so. Okay, well, there you go. You're too, too much time watching Star Wars. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm not a big TV watcher, but I, I think I probably watch more episodes of Office, so I probably, I think Office came before Parks and Rec, so I'd probably say Office. 
I think okay. I think my big time favorite was MASH, which was way before those two programs. So Yeah, and you couldn't get away with a lot of that today. There. No, no, absolutely not. No. So so dawn or dusk, morning or evening? Hmm. Good question. I prefer dusk. Okay. I like to see the sun set. Plus, I don't have to get up so early. Yeah, there you go. I'm totally a morning person. Um, I'm in bed early, and uh, I like to get up early, and I more especially like to be on a tee box early in the morning. But <laughs> <laughs> I love the golf. So, um, no, morning, I, I think more clearly, and um, I, it just seems to be a more of a focused time, and right. I respect right. that. Yeah. yeah. I don't know many places that have better sunsets in Florida. Consistently. Yeah, consistently. So, dusk is nice. So... Well, one last question. Uh, so what place most do you want to travel? What's your next, where you want to go? Anywhere other than here. Um, no, if it wasn't pandemic, I'd definitely want to head to Italy, but kind of okay. European travel right now. Eesh. So um, I would probably say if I had to go in the United States, uh, California, I haven't been there. Okay. So I'd like to explore California. Excuse me. Uh, outside the US, um, Ireland, Scotland, and Iceland. Okay. And uh, I actually would have been trying to go there, and I think I think I've got two cancellations on my cruise. So <laughs> it's been a dream to go there, and someday it'll be a reality. But probably give it another couple of years. All right, cool. Well, hey, thank you both, both Todds, for being here. Thank you, Todd and Todd. Uh, we really appreciate it. Um, it was great to have you. Great to have you here. And special thanks to our media relations team who made this effort possible, and they do a great job day in and day out for us. And thank you for joining us for this episode of Pasco Podcast. I'm Dan Biles, and until the next one. For more information on Pasco County government, please visit mypasco.net and check us out on Facebook and Twitter.